Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Crossword. Thank you for tuning in again this week. We're now here with episode number 10, and we'll be picking up uh, where we left off last week with the second half of chapter 7. And we'll be joined again with uh, Luke Mastervik as uh, we discuss, um, well, really just kind of continue on with our discussion from where we left off last week. Um, and, uh, you know, the the priestly order is another thing we could spend a whole lot of time talking about. We won't um, because we're going to be coming up a lot into that in the next couple chapters. Sure. So um, we'll, we'll hash that out a, a lot more. But uh, continuing on here, um, now if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there be for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? I'm going to pause there because that is a huge statement. It's a huge statement. Mm -hmm. And it it pairs together. Um, Actually, I am going to continue on reading because it does pair better with um, another statement that we're going to read. Uh, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is a there is necessarily a change in the law as well for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe for which one um, for, for from which no one has ever served at the altar for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and in connection with the tribe of Moses said nothing about priests. This became even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirements concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Mm-hmm. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that was Psalm 110, right. uh, in case you were listening earlier. Um, for on the other hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. And here's the statement that I was, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. I wanted to read that whole section because verse 19 pairs in with that first one. And I'll read them together to make that the bookends connect here. Now, if perfection, this is verse 11, now if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? And verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. Mm. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Mm. That's a huge statement. Yeah. especially for these people, but very much so for us too. Mm. What, what the Levitical priest, this is, this, this is going to a major topic and uh, we're not going to have time to hash it out today, but um, I hope we can summarize it just by saying this. The law was not a bad thing. But the law itself had no power to free us from sin. That's right. If you want to, yeah, if you want to look at it um, in contrast to sin, you might look at it as sin 
and the law are kind of like yin and yang. They're opposite sides. They are in some ways equal in power, um, but neither can ultimately defeat the other. Where with Christ, and and let me also put it this way, that the law, by necessity of its nature, chained us to itself and to sin. Because here's the thing, as you're, as you're serving in the law, you can't get your mind off of what you're serving. And so you are addicted to the topic of sin. Mm, That's, yeah. It's constantly on your mind all the time, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't have any freedom from it. It, it is, the law was just a, a way to kind of stem the tide, if you will, of, of holding back uh, the, the effects of sin, but it could never defeat them. And, and that's what the author here is saying is if the law was capable of defeating sin, then we could have just lived with the Levitical priesthood, one who's descended from Aaron, but it's not. He said in verse 19, for the law can make nothing perfect, nothing. Our obedience can do nothing for us, nothing. There is no law that we could follow that would make us right before God. None. Mm. And so it, sin could, could uh, sorry, the law could stem the tide, could hold back sin if it were for, uh, for a bit. But ultimately, in order to receive freedom from sin, we had to have something else. We had to have, ultimately, the Messiah, the one who was after the order of Melchizedek, the one who was... God, king, prophet, priest, all in one, one who is perfectly righteous, able to take our uh, punishment upon himself, able to live the perfect life that we were not able to live, die our death for us. And we'll get into that in the next chapters of, of Hebrews. Um, dying our death for us, being the good sacrifice and in Christ, we receive something we could never attain under the law, which is freedom from the slavery of sin. We are now no longer chained to a law. We are free from the law, free from sin, and we are freed up to serve Christ on our own, free from shackles, a free choice, our choice to serve Christ once being saved by him once being uh, reconciled to God in, in, in uh, repentance, in, in acknowledging the superiority, as we were talking about with Abraham and, and Melchizedek, and once we are reconciled to God, the chains of, the, of sin and the law were broken from us, and we were able to, with freed hands, serve the one true Most High God uh, in, in spirit and in truth. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. I mean, the law damns us. Mm -hmm. The law shows that we're mm -hmm. condemned. We have missed the mark. Paul we, refers to it as a cruel taskmaster. Yeah, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of the doxa, the glory of God, and uh, is the indictment of heaven uh, that we are uh, or were 
prior to coming to Christ, we were bound for a devil's hell. We were, uh, again, uh, by nature, children of wrath. And uh, we were going to spend eternity in hell uh, apart from Christ, uh, separated eternally from God. But praise be to God for our Redeemer that was sent for God so loved the world. We quote that verse often, uh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And, you know, I think I mentioned this in the prior podcast, but when you look at um, the tradition, I don't know if it's true, but there's tradition Mm -hmm. that is held within Mm -hmm. the priesthood that you would tie a rope Mm -hmm. or a chain or something around the ankle of the priest. Why? Because they were a man that had a nature like we did, Mm -hmm. that they could be yanking out a carcass because they had unconfessed sin or they sinned in God's presence. And of course, Christ, there was no concern for that Mm -hmm. because he is totally spotless without blemish, totally sinless. And, uh, and so, oh, again, that we would rejoice uh, in our great high priest who willingly laid down his life for the redeemed. Yeah. And there's a second aspect to this as well, I think, is what the author here is also referencing, what he's also getting at here, is we need to stop our own slavery to the law. Mm. And... We all, though we don't subscribe to the Mosaic law, we all have a law unto ourselves. We all do. Um, And I think if you've been saved for five minutes, if you've been saved for 50 years, you know what I'm about to talk about here. The fact that, uh, and and whether if it's, you've only been saved for five minutes, you just came to a realization that there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. That's right. If you've been saved for 50 years, I guarantee you, you've had struggles. And you have had battles with sin and you've had times when you've come to God over and over and over and over again in repentance. And you come to a point eventually where you say, look, God, I'm sorry for doing that again. Um, And I know you're probably tired of hearing this. And we say stuff like that. Yeah. And it's because deep inside, I think we're trying to, earn God's affection through Mm. good behavior. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. We can't do that. And you know what? The point here is we don't have to do that because when God looks at us being in Christ Jesus, he sees Christ who earned his perfect love, who earned his favor, who earned his affection, and adopted as children of God. We receive that affection. We receive that love. We receive that favor. It's gifted to us the second that we accept Christ as our Savior. And we can't lose that. Yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, but he's grieved because he wants something better for us. Not because he's disappointed, not because he's mad, but because he he knows you're selling your life to something that isn't going to give you life. I have a better way for you. Come this way. Don't go down that path. That's where we grieve the Holy Spirit. It's not because... 
he's we don't serve God because we're trying to stem some sort of, uh, you know, punishment that God's looking at us like, oh, he sinned again and he already asked forgiveness 15 times. I, I don't believe him. I, I think he's ridiculous. This, I'm, you better show me that you mean what you say. Like, no. The first, no, the first thing no. that comes to mind, though, is whom the Lord loves mm-hmm. and chasten, chastens. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, again, why do, why do you chasten your children to mm-hmm. correct what they're doing to bring them to right behavior, mm-hmm. like to correct wrong behavior? That's chasing, not judgment for those of us who are in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so it's like you said, God says, look, there's better for you. It's my, the the Bible says the weight of a transgressor transgressor is hard, right? And so, but obeying Christ, following Christ, obeying his commands is life, is liberty, not bondage, not Oh, I gotta do this. No, it's again, it's life, it's it's liberty, it's freedom. Um, and so yeah, uh that's that's spot on. And and um, you know, as far as the you were speaking prior and uh just thinking in in my heart as you were talking, um that uh, the law of God, Jesus didn't come to uh to obliterate the law, but no. to fulfill no. the law. Yeah. Right. And, 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 yep. and so we are to, 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 for the power of the Holy spirit to mm-hmm. keep his commands, Yep. but it's not because it's a list of do's and don'ts. It's again, if you love me, you'll yep. keep my command commandments yep. that we delight. We do it because we delight in doing what God tells us to do. Not just because you, you better do it because I, you know, this, that, yeah, we do it because God says so, but it goes deeper than that. It's of love and affection for our God, the only true living God that we serve. And that's, that's, the, love we that's the difference between the law and yes. Christ is that right. the law they served because if they didn't, they would go to hell. Right. Right. It was fire insurance. It, it, it was, it was fire insurance. They right. had to, to, to hold back the wrath of God where that is bondage. Yes. That's indentured servitude. Right. They had right. a debt. They had to keep the, the, the wrath back from the debt. But that's where Christ is different, that he frees us from that sin. And we don't serve God in obedience because we have to stem his wrath. We serve God in obedience because he has already done that for us. And because we serve him out of love and thankfulness for what he has already done, not what he will do. What, what, is, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord, your God, with yep. all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, your mind, and the second is like to it, love your neighbor as yourself. It comes back to that, to that word, love. Yep. You said it earlier in, in the program, the podcast, that you could sum it up in three words throughout the entire scripture. Yep. God with us, our Emmanuel. And you see that everything that we, that God does for us as children and that we do in, in response to him, it all boils down to that word love. 
And again, not that we do something out of legalism, but of a love and affection um, because he first loved us. And the love that we show him is because the Holy Spirit of God has put that love and affection in our hearts to love him back, if you will. And by the way, as far as the um, uh, thinking about Christ and, and uh, substitutionary atonement, we are accepted, you alluded to this, we are accepted in him we, we, um, uh, because of the atoning work of Christ. We don't have to do anything to get God's acceptance. We are accepted because Christ's righteousness was imputed to our account. And because of that, because our sin was imputed, the doctrine of imputation, our sin was imputed to Christ's account. And the full fury and wrath of God that should have been poured out on us was poured out on God's precious uh, only begotten son. Yeah. And so because of that, we are declared righteous, mm-hmm. not guilty before God. And as you already pointed out so well, Tim, that uh, we don't have to do things to get God's approval. Mm-hmm. We have all the approval that we will ever have. And that was accomplished at Calvary. That's right. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. And, and what a great gift that is that, oh. that we don't have to feel like we have to serve, mm. you know, as, as Paul refers to it, as a taskmaster, we, we yeah. don't, we don't have someone standing over us with a whip. We have someone standing over us with open arms. That's right. So, um, but, but let's, uh, let's continue on here. Yes. Um, <laughs> And it was not without an oath, this is verse 20, and it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord was, has sworn and, you, uh, and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the other uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And this kind of references back to the uh, the latter half of chapter six when it's talking about uh, the the oath that God makes um, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Yeah. You kind of referenced this a little bit, and uh, I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um it's easy for us to to elevate not wrongfully 
um, but to elevate what Christ did on the cross, mm-hmm. um, his sacrifice, his uh, death, and even his resurrection, and to forget what he's doing now, mm. and, and to forget um, the ascension, yeah. the, the importance of the ascension. And the reality is, uh, yes, our justification, um, our salvation, our freedom from uh, death, from the grave, our promise of, of eternity with God was given to us uh, through Calvary and through the resurrection. But our sanctification, that progressive working of us into the image of Christ, that's bought now. Um, that was, it's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, in, in our hearts, of course. But it's also an intercessory work of our good and perfect high priest right now. Mm. Right now. And, and you know, that's, that's something that we could think about as well. I mean, we could spend a lot of time thinking about, but <laughs> yeah christ jesus has a physical body and he's yeah. in heaven somewhere um right. which means that heaven has some sort of material existence i don't know what exactly that consists of but right. uh, it's got a very physical jesus in it so i would suspect it has something physical mm-hmm. and right now he is in a physical place yeah. before a um somehow physical spirit god the father mm-hmm. yeah i guess what i'm trying to say here is is let's let's stop thinking of these things as concepts because mm-hmm. they're very real very mm-hmm. real tangible realities and I, I shouldn't even say they um but but you know uh, god god the father god the son are very real very tangible people not just realities they're uh, not people in the sense of humans but they're persons well god and three persons blessed trinity that's right they're they're a being yes that physically exists and he christ jesus who came to earth who lived a very real physical life who suffered a very real physical death, who experienced a very real physical resurrection and a very real physical ascension to a very real heaven. Um, all these things, they're, they're not concepts. They're, they're real. And, yeah. and he is before the throne of God making intercession for you right now. And as you already said, Luke, not as a a priest who is sinful like you are. Yeah. As, as a, not as a priest who, um, and, and we could talk about, we'll talk about it another time. I'm sure it'll come up, but um, the, the cities of refuge being a a, a type of Christ, um, not like, because once you were in the city of refuge, if you were declared innocent, you could leave, but only after the death of the high priest. Yeah. Right. And so likes, likewise, um, 
our we were freed from our uh, city of refuge, if if you will, by the death of our high priest. Mm. Um, but but our high priest is not one who dies and then yeah his work is gone. Right. Our high priest was one who died and then rose again and is continuing his work now. And the same high priest who was high priest over Peter, over mm. Paul, uh, over the early church fathers, um, over uh, if you had God-fearing um, Christian relatives in, in your uh, history, mm-hmm. the same high priest who is over them, the same high priest who is over you, and God willing, the same high priest who is over who's going to be over your children. Yeah. It's the same one. And he was Alpha and Omega from beginning to end. He always was. There was no beginning. He always is. He is God incarnate, and he's yes. making an intercessory work right now. Yeah, and and I know we we know these things as believers in our heads and in our hearts. But I still want to go back to what you said a little while ago, and that was about how we don't have to gain God's approval. We have God's approval in Christ mm-hmm. and um, how that relates to the fact that, yes, we know that Jesus is God, God in the flesh, that he's the second person of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you referenced this earlier, and that is that he's immutable. Mm-hmm. Yep. that god does not change mm-hmm. um and you know we're getting back to that whole love aspect and 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 feeling like you know god's going to strike us down and yeah we need to have a a healthy reverence for god uh sure. and, and yep. godly fear absolutely uh i mean but, you, you don't just slap a lion in the mouth right <laughs> you have right. to have a you have to have a respect for the fact that, that lion could eat you yeah. So, yeah. Right. But but still, but how we oftentimes um, mirror or project our human relationships and how uh, we fear men in an ungodly, unhealthy way and all the ungodly fear and ungodly anxiety that goes with that mm-hmm. and project it onto God, project it onto uh, to, uh, the Godhead, but as it pertains to, as we're dealing with the second person of the Godhead, mm-hmm. our high priest, our great high priest, Christ Jesus. And then again, he doesn't change. He will, he, God will never stop loving us. And again, that doesn't take away consequences. It doesn't take away chastisement, it, you know, all of that, but he will never, ever stop loving us. Uh, and I don't mean that in a sappy sentimental way, uh, but that God's love is totally unchanging, totally unwavering, and um, how that also affects the relationships that we have towards other people. Now, of course, we're not God, mm. but we are called to be imitators of God, though, mm-hmm. be Christ-like in our, our thoughts and our actions, our conduct. And Scripture says that the fear of man is a snare. I don't know if it's Proverbs, I think it's Psalms or Proverbs. But again, how 
we have a proper view, a proper understanding of God and who he is, then how that affects our relationship with our relationship between us to God, but also our relationship between us and other people. Uh, it's utterly um, transforming when we have a proper view of the person of Christ and a proper view of the Godhead for that matter. Yeah. And I mean, um, again, just, just kind of wrapping up here, talking about uh, the, the intercessory work of Christ. We have so many examples in scripture, but one of the ones that, that comes greatest to the mind uh, for, for me is we already talked about in chapter three, how Christ is greater than Moses. And you look when, you know, he's talking in, in Deuteronomy, um, he's talking about how, when he was up on the mountain and God said, you, after giving him the 10 commandments, he says, you need to go down because the people yeah. have, <laughs> have already created an image uh, and are bowing before it. And Moses says, I went down the mountain. I saw what you did. I smashed the tablets in my anger. I went back up and for 40 days I lay prostrate before God pleading that he would relent from the wrath that he had to destroy you. And the crux of that is, of course, the Lord listened, that God listened to Moses. And so you, if, if Moses was able to, to have a successful intercessory relationship with God on behalf of sinful man, how much greater an intercessory ministry can God himself, Christ, have mm. with us? Well, look at Peter. Didn't he say, he said, to uh, uh, God, Jesus said, I have prayed that Satan will not sift you. Mm. Right? And God, the Father heard that prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Satan has requested to sift you like we Yeah, I right. What it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't downplay the the intercessory role of Christ enough. Uh, sorry, that's the opposite of what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't upplay it. Uh, I guess. Um, Oops. Yeah, it was, real. That was that was yeah. <laughs> that was the opposite of what I meant to say. Um, but he, anyways, we we should probably wrap up. But. Um, just kind of uh, in closing, there's there's a lot here. There's a there's a lot of meat here. But if I can encourage you as uh, believers in in one thing, all this came out of all this conversation we had came out of a discussion about Melchizedek. And I, I want to encourage you as believers, if you're the type of person that has. Um, either uh, doesn't subscribe to types, images, uh, images, theme, shadows, things like that. Um, or if you're the type that just hasn't invested much time in it uh, because it's too complex, um, then what I would say is, um, of course, being careful. I mean, there's a you can find a message out there to fit any you know mm -hmm. message you want to to hear about. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, in, in the guidance of scripture, um, reading scripture in prayer, um, 
I would pursue, I would, I would look into this stuff. We, we kind of talked about it earlier in, in Hebrews. I believe it was chapter five where it's talking about, um, you know, warnings against staying on the milk. Yeah. And he says, you know, it, it, milk is good for babies, but I mean, what person in the right mind turns down a, a, a big meaty steak for a cup of milk? like as as a full-grown adult you just don't do that or if you're vegetarian whatever your vegetarian alternatives are i'm not vegetarian so (laughs) i don't know what the peak meal for a vegetarian is but anyways whatever it is you're not going to deny it for a cup of milk and so i would encourage you um and this goes just for anything in scripture everything in scripture if you come across something like these passages in hebrews and they are complex they are deep they're 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 difficult spend the time spend the time to 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 go through it to to wade your way through those waters because it is worth it at the end of it yeah it just like um you know it's definitely way harder to chew a steak than it is to drink a cup of milk but at the end of it you're going to be so much more happy that you had that steak it's just so good Yes. And and I can't say enough about the same thing with scripture. Yeah. Those big, meaty, complex passages, they're worth it. Spend the time. Spend the time. Spend the time with your father. Spend the time in, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, mm. and, and ask him for guidance. Ask him for wisdom as you as you go through those things. It's valuable. It's profitable. Yes, it might be complex, but it's so rewarding at the end. Can I, can I just inject one Absolutely. last thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and I'm so glad that you said what you said because there, and there's so many passages that I could allude to. Um, you know, if, if I were to say, you know what, here's a map somewhere on this map, you're going to find a million bucks. It's going to be tedious. It's going to be challenging. It might take you days, but there's money out there to be had. I don't think anybody would say, you know what? It's too hard. <laughs> I think I'm just going to pass, mm-hmm. right? Even when it comes to the obstacles and the challenges in finding that million dollars. No, the Bible says that you need to, to search for me as hidden treasure mm-hmm. or like silver. Yep. I believe the text also says, uh, I think it's Jeremiah that says you shall find me when you shall search for me for all with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on one hand, I can understand and uh, relate to the fact that there are some passages that are more difficult than others to dissect or to understand. But as you so well articulated, Tim, that it is so worth it. And it's so, of so much more value than anything else in this world is nothing compares to truth nothing compares to what god is telling us to mm-hmm. telling his people yeah and uh and so i must confess it does alarm me sometimes when some people say oh it's just too difficult to understand and, and so i'm just not going to get into it and depending on how it's worded there have been some cases where in my mind i'm thinking okay I it's alarming to the point of, I'm not even sure. And I know I'm not the judge. God is the searcher of hearts here. So I gotta be careful when I say this, mm-hmm. yep. but it's, it's either indicating that that person is not yet regenerate. 
they don't have any hunger for the things of God. It's boring. If the word of God is boring to you or to a person, then that sounds like an unredeemed person. Yeah. A person says, you know, yeah, there's parts. Well, look, I, welcome to the club because there's lots of, there's all kinds of places that all of us as believers, even the most well-learned scholars don't fully grasp or understand. Mm-hmm. So that's understandable. Yep. But as you said, to dig in and to, to plumb the depths as much as we possibly can the power of the Holy Spirit to know our God, our King, better. Yeah. And all to the glory of God. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Thank you all for, for listening in. And uh, thank you again, Luke, for, for coming on. It was a real pleasure. And uh, we, we look forward to having you again. Um, all the rest of you, um, for, for the week, we, we just pray God's blessing on you, uh, his, his provision, uh, for wherever you go. And, and of course, um, you know, m- make sure that, that, uh, you're staying in the word that you're studying, uh, and, and you're giving glory to Christ uh, where it belongs. Thanks again for listening. And, and we'll catch you next week as we, uh, we pick up in, in chapter eight. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you later.